Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are worthy of our worship and praise. And as we're going to talk about today, um, you're the only one who's worthy of worship and praise. And so we ask right now, as we turn to your word, as we continue to reflect on the prayer that Jesus taught us, we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we can worship you um, in our everyday life, as well as in these special times of worship when we gather in your name. God, we pray that we would hallow or make holy or, or lift up and, and give great honor to you in every moment and every area of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, little Jimmy sat in his small group at every weekend at the Galaxy, and he was attentive, but he never really said very much. One weekend, his small group, group leader asked the question, does anybody know God's name? And immediately, Jimmy's hand shot up in the air, and he's like, I know, I know. And the, the small group leader said, Jimmy, what, what is it? And he said, Howard. And she said, Howard? And he goes, yeah, you know, the prayer says, um, our Father in heaven, Howard is your name. We can sort of understand why Jimmy's a little confused, right? I mean, the word hallowed is not a word that we use very often, nor is holy, which is what hallowed means. Indeed, as we uh, move into this third week of our series called New Beginnings, the Lord's Prayer, we're going to look at that phrase, hallowed be your name, and we're going to talk about what it means and its significance if you've missed the first couple weekends in the series, Pastor Mark and Pastor Alex have kicked this off. Pastor Alex talked about our Father and then Pastor Mark in heaven. If you missed either of those messages, I would encourage you to go to the New Life app or to newlifexn.org and watch because they were extremely powerful messages. Today we're going to look at the first of the seven petitions in the prayer, which is, Hallowed Be Your Name. Before we get to that, let's look at the entire prayer as we find it in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. If you have your Bible or Bible app, you'd want to follow along in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. It will also be on your screen. He said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So as we look at that prayer, we see the prayer contains seven petitions. The first is, may your name be kept holy. And then it's, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need or give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And then don't let us yield to temptation and rescue us from the evil one. We're going to look into each of those petitions in the weeks ahead, but right now, let's focus on that one, which I think probably needs the most explanation. May your name be kept holy, or hallowed be your name. Before we do that, let's turn to the take-home point, which is the one point I'm going to be making from Scripture today to sort of give us a little idea of what that phrase means. Here it is. Today's take-home point is God is the perfect dad and the supreme being of the universe. That's what pastors Alex and Mark focused on in the last couple weeks. God is our Father. That's what Pastor Alex talked about. So we have this intimate connection with Him, and yet He's in heaven. He's a God of majesty. And what we're going to look at today is more of that second aspect, God's place as the supreme being of the universe. And to get to that point, we need to understand what Jesus meant when He said, 
may God's name be hallowed or holy. So our, another translation puts it this way, may supreme honor be given to you. May supreme honor be given to you. You, you know, we live in a culture that doesn't really focus much on honor or respect, right? I mean, when I was a boy, and granted, that was many decades ago, but there was sort of a culture of honor. If you were a teacher, for example, or a pastor, or a police officer, or a soldier, or a politician, people gave you honor. If you worked hard in whatever your daily work was, there was an immediate respect for you. But it's not so much that way anymore. Over the decades, we know that some teachers and pastors, police officers, soldiers and politicians, and typically very few of them from a percentage standpoint, but they have done things and engaged in activities that deserve our contempt, not our honor. And as a result, we've become a little suspect of everyone. Respect needs to be earned. Honor must be earned. And each representative of a group, such as pastors or politicians, must earn people's respect and honor. But today, we're talking about the being who created us, the being who gives us every good and perfect gift that we have in our lives. When Jesus said to pray, may supreme honor be given to you, he was calling us to worship God. The most supreme act of honor is worship. And no one deserves that kind of honor but God. To be sure, in Jesus' earthly ministry, he told us that we could worship money or people or any of a number of idols. But here in this prayer, Jesus called us to worship the one and only one who deserves it, God, our Heavenly Father. This petition comes first because it is the priority of our lives. Before we do anything else, this is what we're called to do. We're called to ask God before we ask Him to bring His kingdom here, before we ask Him to provide for our daily needs or forgive our sins or protect us from temptation or keep us away from the evil one, we're called to ask for his name to be holy, hallowed, for his, his life, his being to be given great honor. In other words, to worship him. After all, if we think about it, God is calling us in this prayer. Jesus is saying in this prayer, God, you need to be honored. And, and, and we might think, well, wait a minute. Why does God need our worship? Why, why is God, is God egotistical? Is he narcissistic? I mean, why does he want those who created him, or cre those who he created, to worship him? Why does he need that? I mean, does he really need it? And, and here's the matter. God doesn't need our worship, but we need to worship him. God isn't diminished when we fail to sing praises to him. We are. God isn't diminished when we fail to bring our tithes and offerings to him. We are. Uh, consider this analogy. Have you ever seen the Grand Canyon or maybe the Rocky Mountains or even Mount Everest? If you did, when you saw those majestic, natural creations, how did you respond? How did you feel? Back in 2010, I got to see Mount Everest from 17 miles away. Yes, I was just 17 miles away from the highest mountain in the world. And it was a beautiful, clear day, and it seemed, as I saw it, that, that I experienced in that moment, just looking out at that vast mountain, I felt the majesty and the power of God. To me, the mountain seemed to go up forever, but when I thought about it, that's just a footstool for God. I'm always going to remember that moment. I was feeling extremely ill at the moment. The, 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 the weight of, of altitude sickness was weighing heavily in my body, but in that moment, for just a moment, I was delivered from it and my breath was literally taken away. 
And now multiply that feeling by infinity. And that's the kind of supreme honor that God deserves. We see a picture of it in the book of Revelation. The Apostle Paul, or the Apostle John, was on the island of Patmos. He was um, exiled there because of his faith in Jesus. And he was, as he said, worshiping in the Spirit on a Lord's Day, on a Sunday. And as he was worshiping in the Spirit, suddenly Jesus appeared, gave him a vision of heaven. And that vision, we call it the book of Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. And many people focus on, you know, the tribulation and the terrible um, action and judgment that's going to happen in that vision. But in chapter 4, John offers us a picture of heaven. Here it is. We read, Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. So the first thing, or the first one that we see is seated on a throne. It's God. God is on his throne. And John tells us that God was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. Now, I'm not a jeweler, and I don't know really much about gemstones, so I googled jasper and carnelian. You know what I discovered? Jasper comes in red, yellow, green, brown, and sometimes blue. Carnelian is usually yellow-orange or reddish-orange or orangey-brown. In other words, God is indescribable. Even John's description of that glow of an emerald circling God's throne like a rainbow. I mean, an emerald rainbow. Have you ever seen a green rainbow? That's the color of emerald. What John is saying is, it's impossible to describe what God is like. It's beyond our comprehension in this life to understand the fullness of the majesty of God. And maybe even when we're standing in front of God in heaven, we still won't be able to understand the fullness of His majesty. So let's continue. It says, 24 thrones surrounded him, that is God, and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. Biblical scholars tell us that these are elders of the 12 tribes of Israel and also the 12 apostles. And that's probably accurate speculation. But as we're going to see, John only introduces these ones to to us to show us that even these impressive folk are going to bow down before God and offer their crowns to him. It says, from the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. Again, John is attempting to express the inexpressible, the sevenfold Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit. And the sea of glass, what does it tell us? It tells us that God is so unapproachable, that, that there, he's so holy that there's no one sitting or standing near him in heaven. In the center and around the throne, it says, were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Now, these four creatures who surround God, they're different, right? I mean, look at the first one has a face of a lion, the second one, the face of an ox, the third, the face of a human. 
and the fourth, the face of an eagle. In that day, the lion was considered the, the, the fiercest of all beings. The ox, the strongest. The human, the wisest. And the eagle, the swiftest. So these creatures represent the best that creation has to offer. And their eyes see everything. That's why they're on both sides of those six different wings. You know, they can see everywhere. They can see everything. And, and all of this is rather incredible, even bizarre. But their unceasing purpose, why those four creatures exist, is to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. The creature's purpose is to worship and proclaim the eternal nature of God. And if we haven't recognized God as the only one worthy of our worship and praise yet, John tells us here's what happens next. Whenever the living beings, remember those um, four bizarre creatures, are giving glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, don't forget that. The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne. The one who lives forever and ever, remember that. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. So when the 24 elders who have their own thrones and their own crowns hear these creatures saying, Holy, 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 and how often would they hear that? All the time, because they never stop saying forever, day or night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But when they do, they get off their thrones, they fall down on their faces, they take their crowns off their heads, and they put them before the throne of God, and they have a message of their own. They say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. So when Jesus tells us to pray, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name, or supreme honor be given to you, our only reasonable response is worship. God doesn't need our praise, but we need to praise Him. God doesn't need our worship, but we need to worship Him. When we sing to God, don't you so often feel as if God is present God is with us he is and he's even I think he's even responding back to us in fact the other six petitions in the prayer are asking God to respond as God to us to provide what we need whether it's a spiritual or physical need we start in worship and we acknowledge that there's only one worthy of our worship and praise and that is God we do find another practical application in this petition though it is a summons to us to live as a reflection of God's goodness and power in our lives. It's summoning us right now as we say it to reflect God's goodness and power in our lives. In his series on the Lord's Prayer, Pastor Andy Wygant, my very first mentor, focuses on this response, this summons contained in the words, may supreme honor and glory be given to you. He challenges us to give God glory. He puts it this way, that's our job, to live a life that is an authentic representation of the goodness of God. Live a life that's attractive, that's worthy of imitation, something beautiful for God. Be part of the answer to this prayer. May supreme honor be given to you. This first petition of the Lord's Prayer calls us to worship God. It also calls us to be an authentic representation of His goodness to others. So you and I, right now, are either assets or liabilities to Jesus' cause in the world. 
Which is it? If someone watched you or me on a Monday or a Thursday, not a Saturday evening or a Sunday morning when we're in worship or a Sunday evening when we're watching worship online, but on an everyday average day of the week, if they watched us, would we be seen as good representations of God's goodness? Are our lives attractive to non-believers? Mahatma Gandhi, the great leader of India, was once asked this question. What is the greatest obstacle to the advance of the, uh, the gospel in India? And without hesitation, he said, the greatest obstacle to the advance of the gospel in India is the church. I don't think it's only in India where that might be the case at times. I remember when Abby and Emmy, our daughters, were servers in some local restaurants. They were in high school and college and, you know, summer job after school job, they, they worked in some of the local restaurants around here and they would come home and, and they would say, you know, I had some Christians tonight. And I said, how do you know they were Christians? And they, say, they would say, well, they left me a tract, you know, a gospel tract for a tip. Abby once said to me, I'm a Christian, but if you want me to read your tract, leave me $10 with your, on top of your tract. Christians are notorious for being more demanding and less generous diners than the general public. But if Andy's right... And if it's our job to be reflections of God's goodness and power in our lives, then we ought to be the most generous tippers, the most polite clients, the most affirming bosses, the most, you get the idea, right? We ought to be the best at what we do in every area of our lives and, and the most generous, the most loving, the most caring. What would happen if we stopped before every activity in our daily lives and we would simply say, God May supreme honor be given to you through what I'm about to do. Now, would that change the way we did whatever it was we were about to do? Jesus told us to be salt and light in the world. And he said when we do that, when we shine brightly with the love of God and the life of God and the truth of God, when we add flavor and zest and wholeness, that's what salt does, right? Into people's lives. What will happen is they will give glory to our Father in heaven. That's what it means to live out this first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Back in 2017, the Barner Group did a survey, and they found out that the five most common things for which people pray are family, health, forgiveness, guidance, and thanksgiving. You know, I pray for those five things every day. Maybe you do as well. And actually, Jesus included most of those things in his model prayer. But he started with the first thing. Always keep first things first. May we give God supreme honor and power in our lives. Imagine the difference when we remember the great God who is so near to us that we get to call him Father and we get to ask him for all of our needs to be met. If we remember that he calls us to worship and adore him before we ask him for anything. Worship first and then the asking for other things. With that in mind, let's consider today's next step. I will remember our Heavenly Father's nearness and majesty when I pray this week. I will remember our Heavenly Father's nearness and His majesty as I pray this week. As we remember His nearness, we're going to ask Him for whatever we need. We're going to talk to Him about whatever's on our heart, whatever's on our mind, the challenges we're facing, the joys that we're celebrating. And then when we remember that he is the only one who deserves our worship and we bow down and worship and deserve Him as we do both, then what will happen is in our everyday lives, we will be reflecting his power and goodness as we go about each day. Amen.
Before we can experience the closeness of God as Heavenly Father and the majesty of God as the King of Heaven, we have to experience Him as Savior and Lord through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus invites us to a new life, this life where we worship God and where we get to call Him Father. And we do that when we acknowledge Jesus as Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, and Lord, which means master or owner. If you haven't responded to that invitation, if Jesus is not your Savior and Lord right now, I want you to know it's simple to respond. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's as simple as ABC. A means we admit that we're sinners. We admit that we're broken, that we haven't been worshiping God. We might even have been worshiping ourselves. Then we believe that Jesus is God's only son. He's the one who came into the world to rescue us from that sin and to give us new life. He died on the cross to do that. He rose again from the dead and returned to heaven and sent his spirit to all who believe. So believing in, not just believing about. And then C, we confess to God our sins. It's not enough to admit our sins to ourselves. We need to confess them to God and then we confess to anyone who will listen that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord in our lives. Right now, what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And as we pray, I'm going to ask if you have never invited Jesus to be Savior and Lord in your life, if you've never experienced His salvation, to do it with me. And then I'm going to close us out in prayer for everyone. But let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, I admit to you right now that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've, I've worshipped myself. I've worshipped things. I've worshipped my ideas. And I haven't always worshipped you. God, I admit right now that, that I, I, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I need you. And, and I do believe right now. And, and God, I, I pray on behalf of those who are watching right now who are wanting you to be Savior and Lord. We believe that you are Savior, that you have rescued us personally from sin and death. You have the right to tell us what to do, how to live, because you are the one who rose from the dead. And you have right now given us new life by your Holy Spirit. God, we confess our sin to you that, that, and we ask you to forgive us and, and take it away. And we confess to anyone who will listen that Jesus is God, that he is Lord, that he is Savior, that he is the one who has brought new life to us. And God, I pray for all of us who maybe we prayed a prayer like that days ago, weeks ago, years ago, decades ago. I pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our lives that we might experience you as the God you are, as that amazing, incredible being that we read about in Revelation 4 today. And God, that every moment of our lives, we might worship you that way and that we might serve you, but we might also experience the closeness of you as our Heavenly Father. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did commit your life to Jesus right now, would you please just click on that commit button and let us know that so we can follow up with you this week. And all of you, I, I just pray that you will have a, a week where God comes first, where the very first thing we do is hallow Jesus' name, make it holy, where we actually give great honor to God by bringing him worship and praise in all that we think, say, and do, and that we continue to remember that he is nearer to us than the nearest loved one we have. He is our heavenly father as well. Have a blessed week.
and we hope to see you soon.